This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. I come to you too, or whatever. You know, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. We welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals, kapusta, bumpy, padoe, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of Polish tradition there. Hey, Yak Shamash, everybody. Welcome to a Friday night edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys go to Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and more. I am Jay Kokorowski, uh, writer, editor for Bucky's Fifth Quarter, and I got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski, as well, chiming in from Milwaukee. And uh, it's going to be a great show. We're going to pretty much take the entire show preview the green bay packers taking on russell wilson and the seattle seahawks that will be the majority of our conversation tonight along with some uh, more afc talk of course you have your former wisconsin badgers and russell wilson o'brien schofield daryl bevel uh along with james white jonathan casillas for the patriots uh and you have scotty tolzine for the wisconsin badger or for the green bay packers i should say but uh, so you have some, you know, still have some Badgers there in the NFL playoffs. So maybe many of them won't play that much of a factor. But uh, before we get into just real quick, not to uh, bury a lead, it does look like per FootballScoop.com, and it was later confirmed by the University of Texas, Texas Athletics Department. It looks like former Wisconsin Badgers assistant, former Oklahoma co-offensive coordinator Jay Norvell, which. Uh, his name was popped up in a bunch of searches uh, and a bunch of reports saying that he would be the next Wisconsin Badgers wide receiver coach. He's a Wisconsin native, actually a Madison native. He will no longer uh, be coming to Madison, or uh, from what it sounds like, he is, uh, the Texas Athletic Department announced formally that he is the Texas Longhorns' new wide receivers coach, which will hurt. And so uh, the new, uh, from what it looks like, uh, the search continues for that wide receivers coach, but uh, we'll, you know, we're gonna do before we, you know, go into more of that stuff. We're we're gonna wait till the the rest of the coaching staff's gonna really uh, fill out, and once that happens, we're gonna break that down in a separate podcast for everybody. But just want to let everybody know that if they have not heard that yet. Uh, but uh, other than that, Scotty, uh, happy Friday night and uh, big weekend coming up. Two great games, but kind of melancholy feeling just because, well, it's like the second to last real football weekend that uh, many NFL fans will have uh, up until, well, it's Combine and the NFL Draft. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's coming to an end, likely to come to an end this week for Packers and Packer fans. Um, I, I was thinking back on this, you know, of the Packers-NFC championship. I don't remember one where they were as big of an underdog. You think back to the NFC title game. Um, you know, obviously, when they went to the Super Bowl and, you know, beat Chicago, and they lost to the Giants uh, in Brett Favre's uh, last game as a Packer. And they were favored in those games. Um, now, they've been the underdog in playoff games before, last year against San Francisco, for one. But it's a weird position to be in. To be in a, to see the Packers in a title game and be a prohibitive underdog. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, in you, you've seen what a, you know the Packers team can do. Obviously, uh, beating the Dallas Cowboys last weekend. Obviously, the whole process of the catch uh, for Des Bryant's you know one of those debatable calls where the rule looked like it was correct and whatnot, but they beat a Dallas Cowboys team. That was heavy on talent with the running game. You had DeMarco Murray run for over 130 yards. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Romo had a good game. But now they go up against the Seahawks, and uh, who, I mean, they they looked somewhat beatable against the Panthers. They didn't do everything right. But, well, you know, but, right. I, yeah. but here's the thing, and, and I got to backtrack in a second. But, yeah, you know, you could talk about Dallas' offensive prowess, and you'd be right. 
But Dallas, and, and really nobody in the league has the defense, I think, that Seattle. Let me go real quick because we didn't get a chance to recap last week's game. We don't need to recap anything per se because it's been pretty much talked about for the last six days. But I will say this. Regardless if the rule is a good rule or not, it is a rule. I was in a house full of people, and one person who happens to be a high school and college referee is a friend of mine was the only person in the room after the dev catch that said emphatically, and he's not even being a homer because he really isn't a Packer fan. He's not not a Packer hater, but he was a neutral observer. said, that's not a catch. And everybody thought he was crazy. And sure enough, when they slowed it down and they made the call, he was right. And he said it reminded him exactly of the Calvin Johnson play from a few years back. Uh, again, regardless if the rule changes or if it gets clarified, this needs to be remembered. If they go for two and make it, they're up by three. If they miss it, they're up by one, the Cowboys. The Packers moved down the field pretty easily. They had four minutes left on the clock. So all the people who say, well, Dallas would have won if it wasn't for that call, I think it might be a little premature. Dallas would have had the lead if it wasn't for that call. But I think it's too... Uh, uh, too big of a, a cop out and, and too early to say that they would have won the game if that was called a cup. Yeah, it, you know, and it, it, you know, I can, it, it's good to have that neutral person saying that was not a catch. I mean, it, like I said, it's a, you know, it's kind of a bad rule. Really, I thought it was a catch from what I had seen. And I think a lot of people did. A lot of people thought that was, was a football move. But when you have a guy that's, you know, athletic as Des Bryant, uh, you know, and he's up in the air, you know, but, you know, that they, you know, sometimes he takes three steps to, to come down with it in terms of, of the process of that catch. Uh, I think so, it should be a catch. I, I think that rule needs to be changed, but I don't know if it will be. I thought it was a catch when Calvin Johnson caught the ball against the Bears in the season opener, or was it game two? It was early in the season a few years back. I thought that was a catch. Um, I don't like the rule either, but it is, it is a rule. And it's funny how the Cowboy fans and the Packer haters and the morons on ESPN early in the morning, whose name I refuse to mention on this show, uh, call it a conspiracy, call this, call it that. It's a bad rule, but it's a rule. And if it changes, I'm all for it. If they clarify that rule better, I'm all for it. But right now, in the current state of the NFL, that is not a catch. It's true. And so we'll see how that, uh, I mean, you know, you wonder if how long it's going to be. I mean, you've seen this, you know, was famously shown back in the day that they had the, uh, it's all really started with, you know, the Calvin Johnson catch against the Bears where he caught the ball. But it mattered then, though, because it was Detroit in a regular season game. I think the rule changes now because it was a playoff game and it was the Cowboys. Just like they changed the overtime rule because Brett Favre didn't get to touch the ball in a playoff game and his team lost. And they changed the tuck rule because it was a high-profile game that took place in the playoff. Or clarified, I should say, the tuck rule. Right, so right. So things no, will either change or be clarified because it was out there and it happened in the postseason and uh, it, it was put under a microscope. So I think you'll see some tweaking at least of it if it doesn't change outright. I can yeah I can see something changing because of that uh, definitely, so, but uh, you know you, you look at that uh, and obviously it is what it is now and you see the Packers now going to Seattle, taking on the Seattle Seahawks who dismantled the Packers in in week one, and obviously things have changed. There's no more Derek Sherrod. There's a healthier Brian Bulaga. Well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, apparently they couldn't teach. Uh, Sherrod to at least, you know, I think I told you when we did that podcast today that any one of us could have done a better job on that safety than Sherrod did because we could have at least fallen down and maybe gotten in the way. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's good. I'll tell you what has to change, though, because you could talk about these teams being different. Packer defense is certainly better. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. They certainly played better. Let's put it that way. Um, but I think you could say this. One of the things that hasn't changed, or that needs to change, I'm sorry, is that the Packers can't cut the field in half 
and stay away from Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman's probably the, the top cornerback in the league. He's definitely in the top two. Okay? But, and I know that Aaron Rodgers likes to protect the ball, and I know that you don't want to force throw. But by the second, that whole second half of that game, they weren't moving any help over to the right side because the Packers became that predictable. So I'm not saying you throw 20 times at Richard Sherman. I'm not saying you challenge him. I'm not saying you'd be stupid. But you've got to at least run some pass plays to that side of the field. Because if you don't, you're going to handicap and handcuff your offense, and you're going to be right back to where you were in the open. And you can't play with one hand tied behind your back. Yeah, I mean, you know, they said that what happened – Last time, that I mean, I, I'm sure they're going to throw at him this next time. And yeah, they thought they had they allow Boykin, you know, to be on Sherman, and everyone thought, oh, well, that leaves everyone else open. I mean, you had Nelson with, uh, you know, was it six or six or eight catches, and Cobb with about six too. But they were, it was ineffective. And then, uh, I mean, they're I think the game plan will change for them uh, from what many media have said during this matchup and what they've said during everything. It really sounds like. Uh, the, this team is playing, as, as many have called it, uh, with house money. There's a lot more loose. And, uh, you know, you've seen a lot of changes. You, know, you see offense. Uh, you, they'll have to have Lacey um, playing well. Especially, I mean, and you talked about it last week. Uh, you know, this all kind of gets trumped by the fact that Aaron Rodgers with his leg. And you saw what he did against Dallas on one leg, you know, uh, and, he, and he played quite well for that matter. But, you know, he was hobbled. A lot. He wasn't as you know. He was elusive a little bit, but very. But you know, the mobility is not there necessarily. But he only threw for 316 yards, three touchdown passes, uh, on one leg essentially. Uh, and it, I mean, the, the key is to keep him healthy and upright. And you've seen what this offensive line's done. Uh, and if they can get Lacey, who had over 100 yards going, uh, I think they'll be in good shape. But Scotty, I think my, my problem is is the, is the defense if they can. I mean, obviously, it's a different, little bit of a different defense from what you saw the first game of the year against Seattle. But you saw DeMarco Murray run for 123 yards. Uh, what do you think? See, you know, Seattle's going to run against when you have the mobile Russell Wilson. But then also, you know, Marshawn Lynch, who you know is a battering ram, and you've seen what happened to her. He only had 59 yards last week against the Panthers, but you know he broke off a couple good runs and was a pinball. And, and you know, you can never discount the X factor that he is coming coming into the game. Well, listen, let's back up a little bit and talk about what Rodgers did. Yeah, Rodgers had a good second half. If he has as bad of a first half against Seattle, though, the Packers lose by 14 points. So, I mean, we could say how gutty and gritty he was, and he was. And he fought through it, and I was sick and tired all week of hearing, well, Brett Favre would have played through that. Okay, Aaron Rodgers played through it now. Okay, can we can we drop the comparisons to Brett Favre for one? For two, um, my, I guess like I said, my point is if he doesn't, if he plays that poorly, Aaron Rodgers in the first half they'll be down twenty to three, and they'll be and they're not coming back from that. So yeah, so that's the first thing. The second thing you talked about. Um, you talk about uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's a, a dual threat guy. He's a, a he's a very good passer. He's a very good runner. He's not the top at either, but he's such a good uh, dual threat. Um, it, it makes for a tough matchup. We saw Colin Kaepernick have great games against the Packers. Wilson twice the quarterback Kaepernick level. So. It's a matchup problem. The defense has to make the right choices. They have to uh, contain the run. They have to get a pass rush, and and that's been hard when the Packers have played together. They got to get after Russell Wilson. As far as stopping Lynch, you know they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to shut, they're not gonna shut anybody down. Okay, um, as far as like. They're not going to hold Seattle to three points. Can they win this game if they hold Seattle to 17 points? I think they can. That's but that so that should be their target. I think they can win 20 to 17. I'm not predicting them to, but I'm saying you know that might be the number. You know maybe 60. Maybe you hold them to three field goals and a touchdown. You know, but uh, it's not going to be easy. Lynch is going to do if Lynch gets his 
if you hold Wilson in check, Lynch will get his. You're not going to shut them both down. By the way, did you see Marshawn Lynch's $1,000 cleat that he's going to wear to stomp the Packers? No, no. What is this? Oh, he, he he's wearing all gold cleats. I don't know if he'll get fined for it. He probably will, but I don't think he cares. Um, and they're thousand they're thousand dollar cleats. But anyway, I Jeez. think you can allow you can allow Lynch to go off if you keep Russell Wilson in check. If Lynch goes off and Russell Wilson goes off, it's gonna get ugly. Oh, I'm just taking a look at that picture, by the way. Uh, and I was just looks like it was about three hours ago. SB Nation puts a. That, oh, those are those are nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow, that's not. I'm not even mad. It's amazing. I'm impressed. Yeah, uh, well, it's it's his fine. So you know, what are you gonna do? Well, you have like a thousand dollar each. You know, a thousand dollar gold cleats plus on top of. Yeah, that he'll get a fine. I mean, if if they'll, if they'll find, you know, Clay Matthews for or someone for wearing different colored socks. You know, they're. I mean, I'm sure they'll take care of Lynch with his cleats, and I, I guess that's another. I mean, you know, I'm sure that'll be adding a list of fines that he's had for not talking to the media and other stuff that he's had to deal with in the past too. But I'm sure. You know how stupid. Let me ask you this. You know, you're the new media star. I'm the I'm the old washed up haggard vet that. You know, don't say that, Scotty. Come on now. But we've both been in locker. Why would you even, unless you have nothing better to do? Because you know, my job and I know yours is to you. You want you need to get sound. You're on a deadline. You want to get in and out of there. Why do they even bother to talk to Marshawn Lynch? Seriously, you, you're wasting two valuable minutes that you could be getting actual sound with because you're not going to get anything out of him. What? I, I, are these people stupid? It's I I, I no I I completely agree with you. I I find it. Really, uh, you know, if he's going to do that, then, like you said, just don't talk to him, or you just start throwing out softball questions or funny questions to see what he does. I mean, I mean, that's what I would do is just start saying, you know, favorite cartoon, favorite, you know, something just off the wall to get him to either laugh or do something. Because, I mean, you can do as, all, as much as you can. And, you know, I know some people don't like, like the media. There's certain, you know, former Badgers that, weren't that responsive in, in talking with the media, you know, and, and we, and you and I both know with talking with former players, some play players, some players just aren't as good as com- in communication with the other as, as others, but it's, you know, it, you know, it's, it's one thing where, you know, if he doesn't want to talk, the NFL shouldn't force him to talk, you know, which is one thing, in my opinion, I mean, if, he, if they, if he doesn't want to talk, you know, the NFL should say, whoever doesn't want to talk fine, but, you know, if if he is forced to say something, I mean, I, you know, it, it's it's part of the media's duty to report. You know, it's they may not want to ask certain questions, but you know, we've had to ask certain questions during a, a press conference. You know, the case, you know, in case in point, just certain things about injuries or you know mm-hmm. sensitive subjects uh, pertaining to the game that you may not want to ask, but you have to ask. It's part of the media's duty, and so I mean, it's part of your job to get audio. From right. Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, I mean, time, you know. And most of the time, if you ask a coach those questions, even though you know they're not going to get answered, you're going to at least get an answer that you can make a quote out of other than um, the ridiculous. What was the latest one by Lynch? What was his one say? Oh, thanks for asking. Say, okay, I mean, you know he's never going to answer your question. It's like, whatever. But nonetheless, that was a sidebar to Marshawn Lynch. Uh, the other answer to that question is, I think Lynch could have a good game and the Packers could still win. I don't think Lynch and Wilson can both have good games and the Packers win. I, I, I think, you know, I think it's gonna one of one or the other has to struggle. Yeah, I, and I definitely agree with that. It's uh, you know one has to, the other might you know, and you see what happens when both both are on for their on their games. You take a look. I mean. Granted, Lynch only had 60 yards rushing or so, but you know, but he was still effective at times. But Russell, when he went off, I mean, he he was running the ball, but also throwing. You look at the fact that two, you know, threw for 268 yards uh, in the game against the Panthers, and yeah, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see how Capers and them, uh, you know, and the defense 
reacts. And obviously it's a little different now. You have the fact that Clay Matthews is moving inside and outside. You have Sam Barrington, who's no, who's in place for Brad Jones and for, AJ, you know, A.J. Hawk. He, you know, but we've had Sam on a couple of times on the show since we've joined Bucky's fifth quarter. And you look at the fact now that with these guys on, and how they've played, you know, like how Barrington's played. Uh, Mike Daniels alluded to it earlier this week saying, you know, Barrington's got a little bit of a, you know, like a, you know, a rough, you know, a, a tough, tougher exterior. Uh, and you see guys like Latroy Guyon stepping up now, you know, getting a little bit more comfortable as the season's worn on. Uh, and, you know, and you have Julius Peppers who made a great uh, strip of, of Murray on that, on that run that could have, could have gone for six and change the complete complexion of that game on, on Sunday. But, yeah, it's going to be – we'll see how, how Capers and them defend it. Uh, I mean, I mean, I think they're going to do better. But, yeah, it's, it's – I mean, you know, this all went back to the Buffalo game. You, you win that game against the Bills, and, and you know, we're talking about maybe a different complexion as the Seahawks, who haven't been as good on the road – they'd be coming to Lambeau Field. But that's neither here nor there, obviously, because the Packers lost and the Seahawks got hot at the right time. And, and now, you know, the road to the NFC Championship goes through Seattle. Yeah. And here's the thing. Um, I think that um, when you look at what Russell Wilson can do, and, I, and this is going to be an interesting one because I know – you know, your quest, your answer would be somewhat biased because of your Badger side. But when you look at, like, quarterback, okay, I don't think anybody's going to doubt that Aaron Rodgers is elite. If not number one, he's a top three quarterback. I think you would say the same about uh, Andrew Luck. Brady maybe still, although he's, you know, maybe at the bottom end of that elite status. Peyton Manning. And then the other guy is Russell Wilson. I, you know, he may not put up the he may not put up the gaudy numbers. He may not put up the four hundred yard four touchdowns. But because I think because he's such a um because he's such a dual threat, I think Russell Wilson's an elite quarterback. I think he's a top five quarterback. So I think people get it twisted because I've heard all people talking about wow you've got Rodgers and Brady and Luck and then you've got Seattle. So you've got three elite quarterbacks in Seattle with their defense. I think you have four elite quarterbacks in Seattle with their defense, and that's what makes Seattle the favorite. You could say that the Packers' defense has played better, and it has. You can say that uh, New England's defense has been a little bit better, way better than last Yes, it has. You can say the Colts' defense is, is above average. But nobody other than Seattle has the one-two punch of an elite quarterback and a top-ranked defense. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, and, and, you know, it's. I've always held reservations on that too, in terms of, of you know, the the term elite, and you know, and, and Russell Wilson. At least for now, I mean, he's still very much a, a young quarterback. He's still very much a quarterback that, need, you know, that obviously, you know, he's been. This will be his third year. I mean, if he wins his second Super Bowl in. In three years, if if they do win, if they do beat the Packers, and they go on to beat either the Colts or the Patriots, you're looking at, you know, you're looking at a good, you know, fact. Like, you mean, I mean, you mentioned the combination. I think the combination. A lot of people, like you mentioned, say the defense is is, is what does it for Seattle. But um, you can't hit on the head that I mean, that Russell's got. I mean, he's got that offense mastered. You know, offensive coordinator Derek Bevel, former Badgers quarterback himself. Uh, has tailored that offense to both Lynch and and to Russell Wilson's capabilities with the mobility uh, of of Wilson. I you know I, I you know I and, and I guess being I'll be honest with you. And you said like you know I'm a, being a Wisconsin alum like I am. Obviously everyone's got fine memories of, of Russell Wilson here, but I will say too. But I mean it, it, to me sometimes I hold a little bit more of a judgment call in terms of. You know, like reserving that judgment of being elite because you don't want to seem like overly a homer. But you know, you take a look at what he's done. Uh, you know, and even in his first year, you know, taking over the helm and he got the you know help get the Seahawks to that divisional round against Atlanta. I I I don't know. I I like to hold off judgment a little bit, but I mean, you've seen what he's done, and and there's reports going around that he's going to be the highest paid quarter, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league now. You know, or rumors at least. I, I think he's going to be. You know, I mean, I, I, I mean, here's the thing though, Scotty. 
Uh, I mean, I think he's a, you know he could be elite now, but imagine if he gets some wide receivers behind him, or, or you know if Marshawn Lynch does not come back. Let's say he gets uh, they draft another running back or whatnot, uh, you know, but it's you know a playmaker like Melvin Gordon per se. You know, I think that you know he's done well so far, but give him a couple more targets. He's got a good tight end in Wilson that he's connected with, especially on those bootlegs like you saw against Carolina. But imagine if he actually had some more playmaking wide receivers, you know, besides the Doug Baldwin uh, and whatnot. I mean, I think, you know, he could take that elite even further if they could get themselves another playmaker, uh, not a Percy Harvin per, per se, but an actual, like, receiving target that could make, you know, make some bigger plays down the road. I think that elite status could go even more. But, you know, like you said, with what he's got to work with, He's made quite an impact, and, you know, I put him out there maybe fourth, fifth best, definitely top ten in my book. See, but that's my point. I've got him at number five, and if you're top five, you're elite. I mean, that's, I mean, however you want to define it, if you're one of the top 15% at your profession, I think that puts you in the elite status. Um, Now, you talked about Lynch, too. Lynch could be playing his last home game in Seattle. Uh, there's been some contention between him and, and management and, and some other things. Plus, he's going to want some big money. He's not getting any younger, though he's still very effective. Uh, and, and they want to re-sign, um, they want to re-sign uh, uh, Wilson and re-up him and make him one of the top paid, if not the highest paid quarterback in the league. So in order to do that, you've got to sacrifice some money somewhere, and it, it very likely will be Lynch. Yeah. Yeah, and it's you know, and you know they have Robert Turbin over there, uh, Utah State product. Uh, you, you have, um, I mean, and obviously in the draft, you know, you can get a good running back. Uh, you know, and, and they, there's some decent running backs in this year's class. And you have Tevin Coleman out of Indiana. Of course, you have Gordon uh, out of Wisconsin, which many people are predicting Gordon to go mid to late first round. Uh, I don't think you're ever, you know, unless it, yeah, I mean Gordon, you know, obviously is the best quarterback in co- or not quarterback running back in college football. Uh but yeah, this year. But we'll see. Um but you know, if you have uh, a player like him, but you know, I the offense right now is tailored around Wilson and and we'll see. But yeah, Lynch, I mean, I think Lynch still has, has some good years left in him. Uh but we'll I'm not you know, I'm just not so sure where he'd land. But there are a lot of people that need a, a you know, a decent running back at least in a one-two punch in the league, uh, and even though the importance of a running back has really gone down, you know, compared to, you know, the quarterback or a wide receiver, a running back, you've noticed it with the Packers offense, they have an Eddie Lacy, and even though one-two punch of him and Starks, uh, the fact that a running game can really complement the passing game nowadays uh, in terms of keeping the defense honest. All right, so let, let's, before we give our exact score predictions here, um, We'll both, let's do this one at a time, or one person at a time. So what three things have to happen in your mind, Jake, for the Packers to win this game? All right, let's break this down. One, I think there's going to need to be some turnovers by Seattle. Uh, Russell Wilson's had many fumbles, and, and I think it was this year. I forgot the actual number, but Russell Wilson fumbled a decent amount this year. They need to capitalize on whatever turnovers Seattle gets them, and it's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy in Seattle. Obviously, it'll be quiet for the offense, but you know the one thing you do is is create a couple of turnovers against the Seahawks, but also restrict the amount of that they commit, the Packers commit against that Seahawks defense. So uh, the a fumble like you saw for a safety against uh, the Seahawks in the first game has to stop. The interception that was, you know, drop it was a drop by Nelson into the hands and just popped up into the Seattle defender. Also, that can't be done. They have to minimize those mistakes and capitalize on whatever Seattle gives them. Uh, and it could happen. Uh, look at the second part. I think you need to have a defense that stops Marshawn Lynch. Or, or and, and I won't even say Miss Marshawn Lynch. They need to restrict that and contain. They're not going to control it, but they need to contain that Seattle running game. Uh, and then, because uh, that's going to, I mean, if you can make Russell Wilson one-dimensional and keep him, you know, and that, it's the running game, too, with him scrambling. They can restrict that. I think they'll be in good shape. And offensively, uh, they just need to, 
um, you know, uh, it's going to sound really redundant, score some points. Just they have to drive the ball, and they have to uh, they just have to find the holes in that Seattle defense. Uh, but uh, I'll throw it your way. What are your three things? Um, Aaron Rodgers has to be 90% healthy, number one. Uh, number two, they have to get pressure on and on uh, 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 Russell Wilson, and they have to contain him as well and not let him get outside. Um, that's two. And three, the special teams uh, have to be complete. And what I mean by that is they have to do a good job in coverage and uh, they have to get a couple nice returns. They have to set themselves up. They have to make their kicks. Mason Crosby's been, been fabulous the last two years. So it basically comes down to this. A healthy Aaron Rodgers, contain Russell Wilson, good special Sounds good there. That sounds very good. Uh, do you want to go to uh, – let's look at uh, – got Indianapolis and you got New England. Do you want to wait for our predictions for the end? Yeah, yeah, we can move. Yeah, we can move on to that game. Yeah, let's let's, let's take a look. Indianapolis pulling off a, an upset against Peyton Manning, who, I mean, for those that watched the game, really, uh, you know, he over he saw some overthrown balls. Uh, it came out that he had a you know an injury to his quad or something. You know, there's disputes about whether it was a torn quad or just a strain quad, which, I mean, a, a strain is technically some version of a tear, though a tear of a quad much bigger than, per se, a tear of a, you know, a tear of a calf or a strain of a calf um, through the, the large the, the uh, size of the muscle, uh, you know. But regardless, Indianapolis pulled off that victory. They go against New England, which, I mean, they beat. I thought, I mean, the Ravens are up to, by two touchdowns. I thought my prediction was going to come out right. But I uh, saw the fact that New England came back beat the Ravens at home, and now they face Andrew Luck in that that offense, uh, which, you know, they, they look pretty good against Denver. But uh, what are you thinking in this game right now, Scotty? I mean, I think Patriots, just because they're at home and it's the Brady effect, it's hard to go against them. But, uh, you know, this is Andrew Luck's chance to, you know, it's his third year just like Russell Wilson's. It's his opportunity to really make an impact and to, and to get to that, maybe that elite, st- you know, like you, know, you talk about that elite status, uh, to really cement himself as one of the game's best quarterbacks. Well, you know, I, I, let me give you my opinion on that, but let's back up a little bit um, as we piggyback off of the uh, upset last week. So in the wake of uh, Indianapolis beating Denver, because I thought Denver wins that game, all of a sudden, 24 hours later, they've got a new coach, uh, or, or they're looking for a new coach, as John Fox parts ways. And now he's the new Bears head coach, and that was announced today, which is bad for the division, but good for the Bears. Um, and uh, talk of Pete Manning maybe calling it quits. The week leading up to that, everybody was talking about Manning, you know, for sure being back. Uh, they could have a chance to go into New England and maybe go play for a Super Bowl again. And lo and behold, they lose a game. Pete Manning doesn't look like the Pete Manning we're used to. Now he could be retiring, and John Fox has moved on. He talked about things changing rapidly overnight. Absolutely, yeah. It's kind of a odd thing, and you just don't. I mean, you know, is it? Uh, it makes you wonder if there are troubles. And obviously, you have Adam Gacy, the the offensive coordinator for Denver, getting talks about interviews elsewhere and whatnot. Uh, Fox now being, you know, the reports are he's gonna be the next Chicago Bears coach, and what? I mean, I mean, I don't know. Like, well, I mean, what have you heard about that? I haven't had a chance to actually really read more into it. But, it, you know, what, you know, is it just? Um, I mean, they said they agreed to part ways, mutually apart ways, which is the same terminology that you saw at a hard ball in the 49ers. What goes into? I mean, what goes into that? And, uh, I mean, was he? You know, it just makes you wonder what was going on in that lot. You know, and especially the fact that Fox, you know, uh, helped take. The, you know, the Broncos to the Super Bowl last year. And granted, they got decimated by the Seahawks. But you'd think that, I mean, two good years, really. Uh, I mean, obviously, John Elway wants another Super Bowl as, as a, you know, this time as a president of the company or of the organization. But I don't know. It just it just seems weird that a coach that, you know, that's coaches, uh, you know, gets, you know, they say mutually, you know, a part in ways, Scotty. I don't know. It just... 
I, you know, I had a chance to to make a call to um, a friend of mine who works in the media out in uh, Colorado, and uh, without getting into specifics, because some of it wasn't, um, some of it couldn't be completely substantiated other than what people had told him from inside the organization, is Elway and Fox didn't necessarily always see eye to eye. And Fox was able to kind of hold on to his job because they were a Super Bowl team last year. Peyton Manning was the shoot coming back. Peyton Manning didn't want to have to go through a whole new coaching change. Uh, but after the loss and, and everything that went on, they just talked it out and decided, okay, let's let's move on. So Elway is kind of preparing for the worst, and being that Manning might not be back, you'd have kind of a rebuild situation. Um, but I guess there was just some, some tension. I mean, you know, look, let's face it. All these coaches, you know, when they get to that level, they all have egos. They all have their ways of doing things. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and John Elway has his own ego, too. He thinks he's the greatest thing that ever came out of Denver. And uh, I guess just some of the personnel decisions uh, that Fox didn't always agree with, some of the stuff going on coaching-wise. Uh, Elway didn't always agree with, and I guess they just thought this was a good time. I guess they thought this was a good time to move on. Yeah, no, and there's, there's a lot of uncertainty now, and you know, you, everyone will be on Peyton Manning watch now to see if you know what he does, and and in terms of uh, how he approaches the game, and you know, and if he rather if he comes back or if he decides to continue opening up Papa John's restaurants around the, the state of Colorado, which I heard is pretty pof- profitable. Uh, due to a certain law out there, but uh, uh, yeah, so it's uh you know you look at that and I don't know I'm uh, you know with this game I I said I I think I'll pick the Patriots on this one I I just think that um, you, when you're at home I mean and you the New England crowd and Tom Brady uh, and for some reason you know they don't necessarily have. You know, a great receiving core. They do have, of course, Rob Gronkowski, uh, and they have a, a ragtag group of, of running backs, but they're good running backs. Uh, but it just seems like they just reuse and and it's not rebuilding; it's reloading, and, and somehow it makes it work. And you know, I, I'm kind of rooting for Andrew Luck. I'd love to see him get to his first Super Bowl. Love to see it against the Packers defense and see what he does against them. And uh, but uh, I don't know. I mean, anything else on this game that really stands out to you? Well, it's interesting if New England wins and the uh, when I get to see the two biggest D-bags in coaching go at it. Um, but uh, I don't know. You know, common sense and, and luck and things that I've gotten to see tell me that I should be picking New England. Um you know, and seven point, seven and a half points sounds about right. You know, um, but you know, I, I I don't understand. They won twelve games. Uh, they looked really good. They blew the Colts out earlier in the season. But there's still something that that doesn't make me believe one hundred percent in the Patriots team. So again, the better in me is going to take. The, uh, going to take uh, New England, but there's something that tells me the Colts could win this game. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I, I, yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, you know, last week was another good example. New England had a hard time stopping the, the Baltimore offense. They were able to get a pick late. I think they're going to have an even harder time stopping Andrew Luck. I think, I think if, if the Colts win, it's going to be a high-scoring affair, 35-31. If the the Patriots win, it's going to be 27-20. I mean, you know, again, I'm be- if I'm betting, if I got to put money down, I'm going, I'm I'm putting money down on the Patriots. But I'm just saying, I wouldn't be as shocked as as everybody else would be if the Colts find a way to win this game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I mean. It's a good feeling. Probably, hopefully, it's a better prediction than what mine was last week. I mean. Um, I just I don't know what to think about that Colts defense. I think maybe it's one thing that I'm a little worried about with that team. Uh, but you look at the fact that uh, the way that I don't know. I mean, granted they were 12th against the, 
the past during the regular season, they're 18th against the run. I mean, they're a middle of tier, uh, you know, defense. But you know, and they shut down Peyton Manning. It's you know, 24-13 victory last week. But that's against an injured Manning and and not necessarily having some of his weapons that he should have. Uh, or you know, I don't know. But no, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. I'll still say New England. Should we do? Should we do our scores now? Uh, what are your predict? Let's start with them right now. Predictions for for New England Indianapolis uh, you know, AFC Championship game. I guess I'm going to say 27-20 New England, but remember the 35-31 score just in case. 35-31. That that that's what the score will be if the Colts win. But I'll say 27-20 Patriots. Gotcha. Uh, let's see. I'm going to say. I'll say 31-27 Patriots. Uh, I just find that somehow Brady will find a way to win. Uh, and, and Belichick and their their crazy voodoo, whatever they have going on in there uh, at Gillette Field, uh, and then or Gillette Stadium uh, for and then for the Packers Seattle game, I think they'll cover the spread. I I I, I have a think I have a feeling that they're, they're going to come out tough and actually I think punch Seattle in the mouth a little bit more than they did in the first game. I'll say. I don't know, but I still think Seattle will win. I think it'll be 27-21. I just think I don't think they'll be able to contain Wilson and the mobility. It's going to create a couple of breakdowns uh, in the defense with him scrambling. But then also, I think it, uh, they're going to also open up some windows in the passing game. So I think those will be the big difference. And I think there's going to be one key turnover by the Packers that they won't be able to to overcome. So I'll say 27-21 uh, Seattle. I'm taking Seattle to uh, 26-13. 26-13? Yeah. You don't think that they'll be able to do anything against that defense? I don't think Aaron Rodgers is healthy. Um, and I think he could be, get away with being one-dimensional and sitting in the pocket against Dallas. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers is healthy and he can get out of the pocket, I think they have a shot in this game, but he's not. And... Uh, I, I think they'll be able to defend. I don't know how many. If he'll, he'll probably throw a pick. I don't think he'll throw multiple picks, but I don't think he'll be able to move and extend drives when they get to him. He'll take a few sacks. And you know what? It wouldn't even surprise me if he if somehow he doesn't even finish this game. Yeah, it's not a bad. That's that's not a not a good uh, premonition, but yeah, it's something that possibly depending upon how Seattle treats them. Yeah, you could definitely see something along those lines that. He doesn't. Uh, he couldn't finish the game, and you saw some of the troubles that he had against Dallas, uh, as it was just trying to get it up and down that field. So, um, but yeah, um, before we uh, we got about you know about I don't know, 18 minutes left or whatnot. Anything else in your uh, neck of the woods? Anything you want to talk about, or anything that you that's uh, on your mind? I mean, I got one one for my dupa of the week right now. Uh, that came about today, actually. But uh, anything in your world you want to uh, talk about? Well, I mean, I don't know that I have 18 minutes left to fill. I, I, I will tell you this. I'm a little worried about the Wisconsin Badgers basketball team now with uh, the injury situation. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, Maryland might now be the favorite to win this conference. Obviously, the Badgers are still a uh, NCAA team, and they expect to be healthy before the the tournament. But are you concerned at all? I mean, the, the Kaminsky coming back from that was, I think, the the bigger concern, uh, just because having him solidify that um, the position. I mean, he he played well against Nebraska yesterday. Twenty two points, five rebounds. Uh, had a couple. Had a nice, you know, had a good inside outside game uh, with the three ball, but. Uh, the loss of Trayvon Jackson is going to be immense. I think. I think he is. I mean, obviously, he's a senior leader. Is the first and foremost. Uh, he, you've seen what he's done. Uh, he, he dictates that Wisconsin offense before he was injured against Rutgers. They were up, was it 35-23 at halftime before they, before Rutgers decided to shoot it lights out, and, and the Badgers lost their way in Piscataway. But uh, I mean, it's going to be a huge loss. I think they're they'll be okay. I think. Obviously, Maryland is going to be a tough team, and Maryland, you know, the top uh, is the second team in, in the Big Ten, in my opinion. 
But I think as long as Kaminsky's in there, if you have Kaminsky and Jackson both out, you've seen what happens. And unless you have Nigel Hayes and Sam Decker and Josh Gosser step up in bigger ways, uh, if both of those players are out, I think Wisconsin's in a heap load of trouble. But with the you know with Kaminsky coming back, uh, they'll still miss Jackson. You'll still have some uh, you'll still have some troubles with you know without Jackson. But I, I think. Kamansky, I mean, he's he's one of the you know wooden finalists for a reason. So uh, they just have to play smart with Bronson Koenig, and uh, we'll see. But you know, it's something to look at, look into, and see how Koenig, who you know is a kind of a sixth man, seventh guy in the rotation, how can how, how can he make an impact? You know, like and can he you know guy that's getting 15, 20 minutes, can he adjust to playing 30 to 40 minutes a game now? And uh, we'll see. We'll like, we'll see going forward. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely see. It'll be uh, interesting to watch. Um, a couple of quick news and notes, and then I want to talk about the Bucks, but I have a feeling that you can too. So, uh, other news and notes of, of interest, of course, uh, you talked about the coaching carousel. Jack Del Rio, the new coach at, at the Raiders. Uh, Joe Paterno gets his wins back. Uh, for allowing uh, things to happen right under his nose that he didn't have to disgusted by it, but what are you going to do? Uh, David Price signs uh, a record arbitration deal for $19.4 million. And uh, did anybody has anybody headed over to Miller Park to see if Doug Melvin's okay? He locked in his office uh, with a dead cell phone. I, I, I want to make sure everybody's okay over there because uh, – as far as player movement, nothing's happened other than Para uh, avoiding arbitration and signing a one-year deal. I don't know what's going on. I hope he's okay. Uh, and the Brewers with their golden ticket. Uh, did you go out and get your golden ticket? No, I did not go grab my golden ticket. All right. Well, no. I guess no, no game seven for you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that was a kind of an interesting uh, bit. Although you did, you know, Gerardo Parra and the Brewers did settle out a one-year $6.2375 million deal. Uh, you know, and they also, uh, was it, they they uh, took care of uh, Martin Maldonado. They had a two-year contract. So they all avoided the... Wow, uh, that's fabulous. That's, well, yeah. there you go. That, that, now I, have, now I got to get my golden ticket so I can... Yeah, now we it. have to, don't we? Yeah, but, hey, um, uh, here's something interesting. In, in about two years to this day... We're going to be talking about how the Los Angeles uh, city of Los Angeles has two NFL teams, and uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It looks like the Rams and the Raiders uh, things are moving in place that will wind them both up back in LA, where they both left the same year uh, over 20 years ago. So, what do you think of that? Yeah, they say that some that you know those that for that. Seem to forget the past are doomed to repeat it, and yeah. uh, we'll see what happens. Though I mean, the Rams owner did invest a good, you know, how many million dollars into you know uh, into that stadium area in Englewood, California. So you know, who knows? Maybe it can revitalize. And, and but you know, LA is a big city. It's I mean, it's big enough for two NFL cities, but, but, they, but will they, will they really care about it? Or, you know, here's the thing. I'm so sick and tired of the propping up of LA. Listen. The NFL has survived without the L.A. market. And and not only survived, but they're the monolithical giant in pro sports. L.A. didn't support their team. I, you know, it, it's just, it's amazing to me when people say, it's a travesty that the number two market doesn't have an NFL team. Really? It's a travesty that the number two market, the people who leave the Dodger games in a sixth inning, because they got to get home from tra- to beat the traffic, couldn't support the NFL when it was there. Yeah, no, it's. I'm not saying you know. I, don't, I mean, I'm not saying that they're. Uh, you know that they deserve another team. It's just. No, I, I know mean, you're not. I, I, you're not you know saying I mean, it, but but everybody else is, and I'm just sick and tired of hearing it. Yeah, I mean, you know. It, it's interesting. There was some point on Twitter, I forgot who mentioned it, but someone had said, you know, the city of Los Angeles, even without an NFL team, has been very profitable to the NFL, not because of them 
you know, having a team, but them not having a team and having teams threaten to move to L.A. And that's how uh-huh. stadiums have been built. That's how you've seen teams, you know, stay in their respective cities, but get these deals from uh, other cities to, to build stadiums and, and have referendums and whatnot. So, I mean, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's one case like you saw with Minnesota uh, and the fact that they never, you know, <laughs> why Minnesota's got their, their stadium being built now. But who knows? It's, uh, By the way, for everybody who's listening and, and you know, asked, I've been asked, hey, you guys ever think of doing shows live, live remote? Apparently, we're doing a live remote from a uh, newborn ward. Uh, <laughs> because yeah. uh, that would be, you know what, though? I think as our new gimmick, as we expand our show, I want to do live remotes from places you wouldn't expect because it's easy to do a show from a, a sports bar, right? I mean, you'd expect that. I want to go to, like, you know, maybe a nursery or, like, the museum or, I don't know, places you wouldn't expect a sports show to be to be conducted from. <laughs> yeah, and, and if yeah, for what you guys have heard in the background, that's our uh, two of our uh, our twins, which are they're just over six weeks old now, and that's uh, so hopefully you guys don't mind the... The, the, the little bit of the crying here and there in the background. I was actually holding, uh, I think it was Samuel for a good portion of the time here. So, um, so know, that we're doing the podcast. I've been asked this question a lot. I guess I didn't realize people. There are as many people who listen to what we do, and people ask, you know, what happened? Why are you guys, you know, all random now? We'll get back on a schedule. Likely it'll be a Sunday or Monday again. But there's been so much going on in everybody's life, uh, mine and yours specifically, and obviously the birth of twins uh, lends itself to not being on a regular schedule. So we'll eventually get there. In the meantime, just you know, we'll keep on trying to make sure we update everybody as to when they're going to be on. But I just want people to understand, you know, the love and the passion and the want to do this show hasn't waned. Unfortunately, with the crisis I've dealt with and the the triumphs that you've dealt with. Hold on, you still there, Scotty? I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I had to pick up one of the boys. I I guess I was saying, with all of us, all the stuff going on, we'll be back on a regular schedule, but I just want people to understand that nothing's really changed in how much we we love the show and want to continue to to grow this show. Um, But every once in a while, life things jump in the way and, and whatnot. But it's good to hear that the, the, the sons are doing wonderful. And I guess the important question is how is Eli handling his new brothers? He's doing well actually. It's uh for a three year old he's actually he's doing well and he's uh he's actually I'd say he's above expectations. We thought he would fully regress to the mean of, of you know, he's potty trained for the most part, but uh yeah, we thought that he'd lose that. Thankfully he hasn't. So He's he's doing well there, and he loves his brothers. And you know we're paying, you know we're trying to make sure he gets as much attention as uh, as he needs. And I mean for the for, for you know most part for the boys being home for about four weeks now, I'd say uh, he's doing well. He's doing well, but uh, we'll see. We'll we'll see. I mean it's not just missing the missing the whole thing with you know more the attention solely on him. It's also him being three and. and Learning how to, you know, learning the word no and trying to say it repeatedly, you know. So it's it's a combination that's, you know, it's that's quite devastating at, at times. But he's doing well. I can't complain. Well, good, good. Um, we'll still have to get out there at some point. Catherine goes in for a back surgery at the end of the month, so we'll have to figure something out probably after that. But you had a dupe of the week. I have a feeling I know who it is, which is why I kind of tabled my other subject. But I'll let you, I'll let you roll with that. Who's your dupe of the week? Um, I think it's the Penn State hockey team. Uh, I don't know if this, that was what you were thinking. It was the oh, oh hey go, oh no no it's, a, go it's ahead. the Penn yeah it's a, it's the Penn State uh, hockey team. I don't know if you saw, but after the the decision today, they stated that or they put on their hockey helmets four oh nine, which is the number of wins Joe Paterno now has technically uh, as an NCAA football coach. And so, uh, and it's uh, to me, it's extremely disturbing. It's sending a completely terrible message. And you and I, when we first started this podcast, it was one of the, we were in the height of the paternal scandal. 
Uh, we, you and I had debates going back and forth on whether or not they deserved the death penalty, if they deserved what penalties they actually deserved as an institution for, I mean, you're talking about the lack of institutional control. That was with the scandals with the athletic director, presidents, and whatnot, covering up, covering this up. Um, right. You know, it's, uh, and then, you know, obviously the state of Pennsylvania will keep that $60 million, uh, call, I think it's called the Endowment Fund or the Endowment Act, uh, there's a huge that AP actually had a really good chronicle, had a good tweet that uh, good report that tweeted you know everything out in terms of the the, the whole timeline. But uh, having the fact that the NCAA now you know is restoring those wins, I think is an abomination. I think it's terrible, uh, and I think it really sends a, a really bad message uh, that you know. And you hear the Paterno family saying, "Oh, it's you know it's a win for justice." Somehow, what's the justice? What's the justice in this? I mean, where uh, there's no justice, you know, these the, there's no justice for the victims, uh, and it just you know it's it's a culture there that I it just to me it's it's an abomination. I think it's a, them wearing the 409 on the back of their helmets uh, to to praise a a guy that like I said lack of institutional control. And I think it's really a bad message you're sending. Uh, to to not just your part of your university, but to the nation, to the victims of of abuse like that. That's why the Penn State hockey team, and you know, and just whoever was involved with reinstating those wins, they're my dupe of the week. Well, I I, I think that's right. I, I think the problem I have with the whole Penn State thing again, whether you think Joe Paterno knew or didn't, which he did. The fact that bothers me about the Penn State fans and the Penn State crowd is that they cheer this this thing, not realizing all the victims, if if anything, have no opinion on it or be quietly happy, but the out, yeah, you're absolutely right. They make me sick. My Duke of the Week isn't as uh, serious, but it does just further a problem with the worst signing in Bucks franchise history, and that's Larry Sanders. Um, I'll, I'll tell you something. Larry Sanders, uh, people will say, what about Bobby Simmons? What about Dan Gadsreach? When those guys were signed, there were other guys here to carry the load that were supposed to be the stars of the team. Larry Sanders was signed before we knew what we had with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, uh, Giannis, okay? Uh, he was supposed to be the face of this franchise. He's been nothing but a dud. And thank Thankfully, the Bucks have been overachievers. Jason Kidd's done a great job, and this young core has been good. Because if if Giannis didn't develop, if they didn't get Jabari Parker, this team who was fighting for their lives to stay in Wisconsin is stuck with a dud, Larry Sanders, who's been an absolute nothing and has now been suspended for 10 games. Yeah, there comes a point where... Yeah. You know, I remember them signing him saying, huh, maybe he's got his act together and maybe they did the right thing, signing a young talent to a longer deal. You know, and then next thing you know, they're in that season. The next season, he's just, you know, he gets into a bar fight allegedly, uh, injures his hand, uh, and you heard all this other stuff. And now, you know, this year, you're seeing the personal reasons he's been out. Some people said he didn't want to play basketball. I said, that isn't true. He talked to reporters about that. He's just working through things. Well, this is what they're working through now. And he'll lose about a million dollars. Frank Mann and our friends at SB Nation's Brew Hoop, which cover the Bucks, you know, noted that, you know, he's going to miss out for 10 games. He's going to miss a good million dollars. Uh, that's not a uh, good, you know, I mean, he's going to lose out, you know, on a you know tenth of his salary. So uh, it makes you wonder what's going to happen next. Uh, what will happen next with the Bucks with and Larry Sanders and I mean, will, you know, will they, you know, will they cut their ties with them? Uh, should they, you know, and and look ahead, uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's it's sad, especially with NBA. I think it's like when you have a number of failed drug tests, they tell you, you know, and it's a little bit more lenient compared to other places. Uh, it's uh, I'll be honest, Scott. Yeah, it's disappointing. Uh, but then again, the fact that he hasn't played with the team for a good part of the year. You know, maybe they maybe they won't need them. And, you know, maybe they'll continue their hot streak, which has been the turnaround story of the NBA. Let's be honest. So, well, kinda... well, they haven't needed him, and thankfully they haven't. Unfortunately, guaranteed contracts being what they are, what they are. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know that goes a trade market for them either. But uh, we'll see, and hopefully next week or next time we get together, we'll be talking about the uh, Packers. 
preparing for Super Bowl, and we can talk some more Bucks. As, as you mentioned, they have been the surprise of the NBA. Um, other than that, I don't have anything else. Yeah, no, I'm pretty good as well. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week for sure, and make sure you guys follow us at B5Q at Kielbasa Kings WI. Uh, and then we'll talk to you hopefully either Sunday night or Monday or sometime next week. Uh, guys, have a great week. Uh, Doza Bachenya. Accordion solo, American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. Thank <laughs> you.